Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about prenatal yoga. Whether you're new to yoga or have been doing it for years, prenatal yoga can be greatly beneficial during pregnancy and birth. It could even reduce the length of your labor. Dina Blumenfeld is here to talk about how yoga can help and what to watch out for. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. I want to thank you once again for all the love you're giving the show and send a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, even if you don't usually listen to it that way, so we can get it in front of more mamas. If you want to go the extra mile, leave a review. I will be forever grateful. All right, so today I'm delighted to have Dina Blumenfeld on the show to walk us through the ins and outs of prenatal yoga. Dina is a certified prenatal yoga teacher and Lamaze certified childbirth educator, as well as the Lamaze trainer and the owner of Shining Light Prenatal Education and Shining Light Doulas in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Through her dynamic childbirth classes and her empowering prenatal yoga classes, she gives mothers the tools they need for a confident birth and transition to parenthood. She also regularly facilitates professional development workshops for both yoga and childbirth professionals. And she's the mom of two elementary school-age kids who keep her on her toes. Dina, namaste. Namaste. Good morning. Morning. And you were just dropping off those kids off to school, right? Yeah, they uh, they get on the bus at about seven forty-five, so it's a uh, it's always an early day for me on a weekday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ours gets off at that gets on on seven thirty, so mm-hmm. he, it, it makes it good because then you get. I don't know. I, I work from home, um, mm-hmm. so then that really forces me to start my day, which is good. <laughs> me too. <laughs> good. So. Um, Let's start at the beginning. What are the benefits for pregnant women of doing prenatal yoga? Well, sure. There's a, there's a number of benefits. I mean, one of, one of the ones that I always look to is the sense of community. Um, because there are, there are plenty of yoga classes that, that women can attend. But a prenatal-specific class allows moms to meet other pregnant women. So for me personally, when I was pregnant with my first, who's now 10, um, I must feel old when I say that, that he's 10. <laughs> um, when I was pregnant with my first, um, I didn't know any other pregnant friends. I mean, I was the first of my, my group of friends to get pregnant. And so for me, going to my prenatal yoga classes was, it was so amazing to go in there and say, oh, you have this, this ache and pain too, or your doctor said this to you. Okay, so did mine. And so it was nice to, to have that ability to connect you know, before and after class. And I'm still friends with some of those women I met 10 years ago in um, in my prenatal yoga classes. Mm-hmm. It, and then 
That's interesting because that's not the first benefit that one would think of, but it's so true and so important during, we've talked over and over again about the importance of building your village and having that connection mm-hmm. with other moms who are going through the same thing and have sort of that pregnant mentor who's just a little bit ahead of you or you being the mentor to mm-hmm. somebody else. Um, so yes, that's I, that wouldn't be the first thing I would think of, but you're right. It's super important. It really is. And, you know, it, for me personally, it was a key factor in helping me get through some of the emotional challenges of, of being pregnant. Um, I mean, physically it was, it was absolutely brilliant and, and I enjoyed my practice, you know, back then too, but on the, on the emotional and the social level, I think it was, uh, was a vital, um, for me personally. Now on the, the, the other benefits, the ones that people tend to think about, mm-hmm. they tend to think about the physical side of it, right? We tend to think about increased strength and flexibility because, you know, labor is work. Um, it takes a lot of work to give birth to your baby. And many of us have jobs where we sit at a desk for eight hours a day, five days a week. And so we're not getting, we're not getting a whole lot of exercise in our lives, most of us. And we're not, um, and even if we are, we're not exercising in a way that is necessarily going to be specifically beneficial to giving birth. So, for example... There's a lot of folks who run, and running is wonderful. It's wonderful for your cardiovascular system. It keeps your weight in check. It's a really good activity, but it only helps with the stamina aspect of giving birth. It doesn't help with the flexibility aspect, and we need to be able to move our bodies in um, more appropriate ways so that we can optimally position our babies um, and make birth go a little bit better. So if the only focus we have is uh, on an aerobic activity such as running, it's good, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if our focus is something like, you know, going to the gym and weightlifting, strength is good and it's important, but in and of itself, it's not enough. And so what we find with a yoga practice, because a yoga practice is uh, holistic in terms of whole body, um, we're looking at things that are able to increase a woman's flexibility, um, specifically um, in terms of her hips and her legs, um, because a lot of the birthing positions such as squats or hands and knees positions or lunge positions need a certain degree of flexibility to be able to get into. Um, and those are some wonderful positions to make birth easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the strength component, when we when we hold a posture, you know, if we're in warrior two, which is a kind of a standing lunge posture, we're in warrior two and we hold that for 30 seconds it doesn't seem like a lot until you're there and it really is oh yeah so we built yeah Yeah, no i when i do yoga i definitely feel that we're gonna be here for a minute oh my goodness (laughs) you start shaking all over yeah and so you know if you think about it i mean your active labor contractions are 60 seconds long and so when we start to work in our prenatal yoga practice to hold postures that are, you know, safe and appropriate. When we start holding these postures for 30 or 60 seconds, it starts building that emotional component as well of, oh, this is really difficult. This is hard. Can I do this? I don't know if I can do this. And then they realize that, yes, they can. And so it's one of these, it's one of the underlying benefits rather than an explicit benefit um, is that, okay, I can do this. If I can do this in my yoga practice, then I can do this in the birthing room when it's time. Um, so we, we really look to increasing strength, um, and flexibility, um, uh, as well as the, the subtle, um, emotional benefits of knowing that 
you are capable of doing things that you didn't think you were capable of. And that's a lot of what yoga practice teaches us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, this is so enlightening because I have done yoga for quite a bit and obviously birth, but <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I can put that two and two together of how you hold the poses for about as long as a contraction and you go through all that. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a little preparation. That's brilliant. Now, is what other benefits do we have? I, I did read about some um, mind benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's a there's a number of studies out there on um, depression and anxiety and how yoga can help. So some of those studies are not prenatal specific, and there are there are a number of them that are or were focused on um, pregnant women during their pregnancies as well as in the immediate postpartum period. So we do have studies on both sides of it. Um, and the studies are, you know, they're all pointing the same direction and they all say that a regular yoga practice, so that doesn't mean, you know, once a month occasionally, a uh, regular yoga practice, meaning, you know, once, twice, three times a week of, uh, you know, whether it's a group class or, um, a private practice, a regular yoga practice reduces your, uh, risk for depression and anxiety. And if you're currently experiencing depression and anxiety, it can improve your symptoms and so that you are a more functional person and that you can be a better mama to your baby. And so when you find that, you know, the, you know, if you, if you really want to break it down, there's, there's hormones that are released during, um, during yoga, right. Or doing any exercise, right. We have, we have some, you know, some good feel good hormones, um, that are released when our bodies get moving as opposed to when we're sedentary. And when we apply those hormones to, you know, all the pregnancy hormones that can make some of us, and I'll admit it myself included a little, uh, uh, scattered or, um, anxious or even angry sometimes, um, it really helps bring us back down to that even keel so that we feel better and we can, we can function better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's, and it just, it, it is wonderful that we have, you know, folks in the scientific community out there studying this stuff. Um, and it's not just in India. A lot of the studies do come out of India, but we do have some, some local studies and some European studies as well. And then those benefits do translate to the labor room as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so the skills that that women use on the yoga mat are the same skills that she'll use during labor, um, and so it's it's both on the physical and emotional side, right? So emotionally, when we teach you on your yoga mat how to breathe more effectively, that breath is the breath that you're going to use during labor. Um, you know, the, the old school Lamaze breathing that we don't teach anymore and we haven't taught hasn't been part of our curriculum for ages and ages and ages. The, um, the well-known hee-hee-hoo-hoo-hee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff. The stuff we still see on television, uh-huh. um, but like I said, is not part of the curriculum. Um, that stuff was designed to help women control their emotional state so that they could be more focused. And so those breaths specifically... It weren't so hot, which is why we don't teach them anymore. Mm-hmm. But what we find with the the yoga breathing, because we do have you know a good few thousand years of of using that breath uh, or those those different breathing techniques for whether it was for exercise, for physical asana, or for meditation, or for relaxation, um, or for emotional balance, or what have you. When we find women take those breaths into labor with them, it helps keep them um, 
a little more stable emotionally, helps get them better focused during their labor, helps them use the oxygen in their body more effectively. Um, and so, yeah, so women get a lot of benefits on the, the, the breathing and the emotional side of it. And on the physical side of it, um, the postures that we teach are often birthing postures, not all of them, but they're postures, you know, uh, Taylor sitting, for example, you know, where you sit with uh, soles of the feet together, um, that's a birthing posture. When we teach squats, that's a birthing posture. The hands and knees postures we teach are birthing postures. So, you know, we, again, these are implicit, not explicit, um, in that this is prep for birth. And that when women practice, practice meaning repeat over and over and over and over again, it becomes muscle memory instead of having to think about what to do next. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to say, when I was in yoga, hands and knees felt so comfortable to then take that into the labor room and remember that hands and knees felt comfortable and to do it because it felt comfortable then, it's going to feel comfortable now during labor. And of course, it's a gravity positive position to uh, to get that baby rotated anterior where we want them. Um, so yeah, there's, there's many, many aspects of a yoga practice that will translate directly into birth. No, which is beautiful. And the poses can be used both for just laboring and for pushing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of what we do in prenatal yoga is to help women become more comfortable. Um, so, you know, there's yoga postures that can help alleviate back pain or hip pain um, or, you know, upper back pain because our breasts grow during pregnancy. So we, we do a lot to, to work pain relief um, for the body as a whole, as well as, you know, helping women find what's comfortable for them. So when I teach, um, I always encourage my, my students to stop in that posture and take a moment and feel, and if it doesn't feel right, what can they fix? So whether it's, you know, readjust your foot by, you know, half an inch in one direction or drop your shoulders just a little bit more, or, you know, what have you find that, that small adjustment to make it better. That's a skill they take into labor too. Right? What small adjustment can I make to make my body feel better? And it, it becomes it becomes second nature to them and they don't have to think about it because they've been doing it for week after week in yoga class. Which makes total sense. I, I did read some of the research and, and they talked about women reporting being better able to, to tolerate the pain and to deal mm -hmm. with the pain and also to... Um, feel that pain relief was more effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I did read about, which seemed, I, I think we should shout this to the hills, is that women reported shorter labors. Can you speak to that, mm -hmm. please? Yeah, you know, that, that's a really interesting one. And we have, we have a number of studies on movement during labor. Um, and so Lamaze actually has an infographic on, uh, on movement during labor. And it's a wonderful one because it talks, you know, it, it's, it's one of these teasers that says, you know, you want to, do you want to shorten the length of your overall labor by about two hours? Do this one thing. So oh, what's this one thing? And the one thing is to keep your body moving. And so when women are mobile during labor and they are, you know, they're walking or they're standing or they're sitting or they're kneeling or they're lying on their side or they're in the shower or on the ball, you know, and they change it up and they, they move around. That movement helps get the baby better positioned. When the baby's better positioned, the cervix dilates more efficiently. Um, and so then birth goes quicker. And so what they're learning in their yoga practice is how to move their bodies and that movement is okay. That mm -hmm. movement's okay. 
And so uh, I'll tell you a story because I like stories. Please. Um, I was at a birth. This was about 18 months ago. Um, and uh, as a caveat, I don't doula very often because I have a business and two kids. But <laughs> mm-hmm. she was a friend of mine. So I was at a birth 18 months ago. And she was not moving. Um, I wasn't actually supposed to be there. The the husband called me and, uh, you know, said, please come in. And I did. And she was lying on her side in bed in the fetal position. And she was really, quite frankly, miserable. And I could see it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I got into bed with her and I curled around behind her and uh, I helped her body soften. Um, and once we got her up and got her moving, it was it was like the heavens opened up and there was light in the room again and she just felt better. And to see that change from moving versus not was huge. It was huge. And, you know, she was a friend of mine and, uh, you know, as, as is wont to happen with busy lives, she, she was not attending classes regularly, um, the yoga classes. Mm-hmm. And I think with my yoga students, what I do see is those that are regular attendees tend to have more movement in their bodies. They tend to be a little freer. And so this mom that birth 18 months ago, you know, she said that she didn't, she felt weird. She felt weird moving. And it, it, she didn't want the nurse to tell her to get back into bed. And she was nervous about that. So she was trying to be good. Mm. And Yoga practice teaches us a lot about how to be free and be comfortable in our bodies and that it really doesn't matter if we've gained some weight because we're pregnant, so we're supposed to gain weight. It really doesn't matter that our balance is different than it was three months ago because we have a baby, so the center of gravity is different. We learn to be more accepting of our bodies and to be more willing to move or to make noise or to breathe in a new way um, because we've practiced it. And when you practice in a group class, Right. You get all of that because everybody's doing the same thing. So you lose that judgment feeling because we're all doing it, even yeah. if it is a little weird, you and know. It gets you to be in that position you, you, uh, to get in a place where you are relaxing and just letting, being, exploring your body, but in public by being in that group, mm-hmm. which is kind of like if you're having hospital birth, that's what, or a birth center birth, that's what you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. to an extent of being able to have strangers there with you but actually go ah, and you know make all these weird noises <laughs> absolutely you know it's funny because when I teach my my childbirth ed class my confident birthing class um I, I joke about that I you know I teach uh, I teach this this slow dance way and we put on music mm-hmm. and you know uh you'll find that there's always the one couple who really gets into it. They close their eyes and they're like imagining that they're actually dancing and, you know, together. And you can see that it's really beautiful for this one couple. And then you get like the whole rest of the class is like sort of eyeballing me and sort of giggling to each other about how weird this is. It's like a middle school dance. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Actually, I call it the eighth grade dance. Um, (laughs) But, you know, what's interesting with those couples is I'm always very specific to point it out. And so if you think this is weird, just wait till you're naked, you're sweating, your water's already broken and it's running down your leg and you have two nurses in your room and your mother-in-law mm-hmm. and they all kind of stop and stare at me. And I said, and this is why we have to get past some of these inhibitions. If you want to have birth that is more comfortable for you emotionally, you want to be able to let your body go into this process and do what it needs to do. We need to be comfortable with that. So yeah, it feels weird today, but I'm making it feel weird on purpose because I need you to experience that in a safe place so that when the time comes, you can do what you need to do instead of feeling uh, inhibited. 
Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's all connected in my mind. I'm going to start. Mm -hmm. I'm going to become a yoga teacher now. (laughs) (laughs) I've got too many things on my plate. Um, Oh, you and me both. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, So let's talk about the yoga classes itself. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. all yoga classes aren't created equal. So what do pregnant moms need to know when they're looking for a class? Oh, that's a really good question. And you're right. All yoga classes are not created equal and all prenatal yoga classes are not created equal. So some of it depends on, um, you know, where she lives. So if she lives in a, in a city, she's going to have a number of choices as far as, you know, yoga teachers and studios or where to take classes. If she's more rural, she may be much more limited in her options. So that said, um, I find that there are you know, if we're, if we're using big buckets, there's two types of women. There's women who have had a regular yoga practice prior to becoming pregnant, and there's women who've never done yoga practice. And then there's a couple of folks in the middle who practice yoga occasionally, right? Um, those who have had a regular yoga practice or currently have a regular yoga practice prior to getting pregnant, um, what we find with those, that group of women is they tend to hang out in their regular yoga classes um, until they decide it no longer is appropriate for them. So I had a student just come to my class last week who was uh, 29 weeks and had been coming to her regular yoga class before transitioning to a prenatal class, um, which is fine because she she understood her body well enough to know that her regular yoga practice was not serving her in the way she needed to be served. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, there are a number of yoga teachers out there who say, oh, you're pregnant. It's fine. I could modify for you. No problem. Come to my class. But the challenge is in a 200-hour teacher training, and most of us are 200-hour trained, in a 200-hour teacher training, out of those 200 hours, it's usually about two to three hours spent on pregnancy. Um, and it may be even less than that. They may call it the special populations or something. And that is not sufficient. Um, My prenatal certification is an 85-hour certification. And so there's a lot more to it. Um, And so a lot of the modifications tend to be don't lie on your belly and don't lie on your back. And if it doesn't feel good, change it. And that's it. Um, Which is, again, it's insufficient. And Mm -hmm. uh, we can potentially cause harm. So we want to make sure that the instructor if it's a non-prenatal class, if the instructor really understands how to work with a pregnant body. Because although as pregnant women we are not sick or injured or incapable, there are certain things that we need to, you know, do do's and don't do's, right? Um, for example, closed twists are not so good because I don't like wringing the baby out like a towel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for the most part, it doesn't feel real good on the pregnant body. Open twists are fine, but you need an instructor to know the difference and to know to give that modification. Um, That and if you've got a class of 20 people and you're the only one who's pregnant, it's tough for the instructor to to modify, you know, for a dozen poses over the course of 30 minutes for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of it's also the pacing. Um, So if it's a flow class, flow classes tend to be very quickly from one pose to the next one to the next one to the next one to the next one. And the more pregnant you are, the more difficult that transition becomes. And so we start seeing women who are out of breath and it starts, you know, you're, you're a beat or two beats or three beats behind the rest of the class. So there's now kind of an awkward feeling and you lose the, the joy of the flow. Um, and so staying in a regular yoga class for the majority of women is fine, um, usually up through first trimester or so. But once her belly really starts showing, 
it's not it's not ideal anymore. Um, that and a lot of things like down dog, which is you know that's one of the most common postures. Mm-hmm. It you get head down, and if you're nauseated, head below your heart tends to make you feel more nauseated, or maybe even vomit. So it makes that class a lot less fun. Same with heartburn and, you know, other things. And the increased blood volume, when you go head down and head up very quickly, you can get dizzy or even faint. So there's some there's some issues with how the group classes are structured that are not prenatal specific. Um, <clears throat> the other issue with those classes is if it's a hot class. Now, granted, hot classes will vary anywhere from 80 degrees to 105 degrees. Um, and that's a huge variation in temperature. But... The heat, um, the heat causes a, a couple of issues for women. Uh, the first one is that relaxin hormone that we all have. So relaxin helps get the hips open up to let the baby out when the time comes. But it also lo- loosens up all of the other joints in the body too, which is why we get things like carpal tunnel um, and you know tend to have some hip pain or back pain because things are looser um, mm-hmm. and we lose some of the structural integrity in the body. And that's got to be when we're- the best named hormone there is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it almost sounds like a fake name. <laughs> right. It's like all that relaxation. It's like, you're joking. You're joking. That's not right, the name right. of the <laughs> But the heated practices, um, the extra heat helps loosen up the joints in and of themselves. So you mm-hmm. add that on top of the relaxant, and now we're at risk for injury because the muscles can go to that stretch, but the ligaments cannot. And so we end up with ligament injuries, potentially. And ligament injuries can take months to heal as opposed to a muscle injury, which takes days or weeks to heal. Can and you, so we, we... Sorry, can you get okay. a, a... Does the same thing apply of being careful with how much you stretch because of the rock mm-hmm. relaxing going through your body, even if it's not a hot class? Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the, the guide points I give my students is 75% of your stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to say, I used to say 95%, you know, cause I just wanted to, to reel it in a smidge, but nobody really knew what that meant. Um, yeah. you know, they weren't, they weren't readjusting. Whereas when I say 75% of your stretch, they pull in just enough that it is still a, a safe and comfortable stretch for them. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, thank you for bringing that up. That is a, that is a key factor for all pregnant women is to not, not take it as far as you possibly can, because as far as you Hello? Is it, oh, I think it, it, go ahead. Cut off when we we're just talking about the uh, the other risk with uh, with a heated practice. Um, and that it's the same risk as you would take going into a sauna or a jacuzzi. In that in the first trimester when all of the baby's pieces and parts are still really developing. Um, if you a woman raises her core body temperature by one degree or more and sustains that core temperature increase, we are at a very small risk of neural tube defects. And so that's things like spina bifida and, and, and related. Um, and so that's, that's a challenge with heated practice. Um, it's highly unlikely that that's going to occur, but it is something that moms need to be aware of and yoga instructors need to be aware of too if they're saying that it's okay for, uh, for a pregnant woman to be in their classes when uh, it, it is a heated practice. And that's the specific for the spina bifida is more during the first trimester or early on, right? Correct. It is, it is during the first trimester only as the, the baby's spine is developing. Mm-hmm. So once, once the, the neural tube, right, the, the brain spinal column, once that is fully developed, um, the risk is no longer there. Now, so do, a heated practice. I'm sorry, go ahead. Do risks still exist for second trimester, third trimester 
with that? Yeah, the, the concern there is dehydration. Um, and so, and this is true for, you know, any pregnant woman who gets dehydrated because we have natural levels of oxytocin in our bodies. Um, oxytocin being the love hormone, mm -hmm. but it's also the hormone that causes contractions. When we get dehydrated, the blood volume drops. When the blood volume drops, even though the oxytocin level stays the same, the percentage of oxytocin in our blood is higher. So then the uterine receptors read this as, oh, we should have contractions. And so she can potentially have um, contractions at least until she's rehydrated. But that can be a scary experience. Um, to, to go into, you know, contractions that are, you know, closer together than she would want them to be and being preterm. Mm -hmm. Um, so staying well hydrated will avoid that. And, you know, most yoga practices are fine. You bring in a water bottle of the class and drinking, but there are studios that restrict drinking fluids during practice. Um, in which case that would be, you know, a big red flag to me mm -hmm. <laughs> as, as a pregnant mom, not to go to that class. Um, so, so dehydration is the, the other concern. Okay. So classes to to be careful. So if you don't have a specific prenatal yoga class in your area with mm -hmm. an instructor that has been trained specifically on prenatal yoga, that, like that would be the ideal because right. you get the community of, mm -hmm. of having all pregnant moms with you and also the benefit of the, the instructor actually really knowing um, what how to adjust the whole class for you or not adjust make a class that is specific for pregnant women exactly but exactly. if but if you don't have a prenatal yoga class near your area then and mm -hmm. you have a general you know a normal a, a regular class to attend mm -hmm. then do you really have to pay attention to um the make sure it's not a heated yoga because that could cause trouble and right. stay hydrated and mm -hmm. then sort of pace yourself like then you have to gain your own knowledge of what we've been saying of you know mm -hmm. don't lie flat on your back and then take it at your own rhythm um you can fill in the rest for me here <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it is a challenge because it's one of the things like i run a, i run a workshop called accommodating a pregnant woman in your regular yoga class um for other yoga instructors and it's one of the things i hear every time i run it is um, well, we just tell pregnant women to trust their bodies and to do what they need to do. And my response to this is, and how many times have you, as you yourself said, well, I know I can't quite do that, but I'm going to push it and I'm going to try it anyway, because everybody else in the room is doing it. And the response is, well, yeah, of course I've done that. So when we say as instructors that she should trust her body, eh, not so much because we don't know. We don't trust our bodies not to overeat. We don't trust our body. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We we don't necessarily know how to feel because as a society, we're not taught that. We're not taught to pay attention. We're taught to keep going, keep going, keep I know you're tired. Let's just finish it up. Keep going. And that is not what yoga practice is about. And it is a challenge when we assume that women can modify for themselves. So if there is no prenatal specific class in, um, in a mother's area, my suggestion would be to seek out a restorative class or a gentle class. Um, even a yoga one can vary depending on um, the instructor and what style of yoga they were trained in. Um, but to, to seek out one of those types of classes to make sure that things are safer. 
Um, and to really have a hard conversation with that teacher as far as, hey, are you comfortable having me in your class? I mean, honestly. And don't let it be about, you know, my $15 to pay for class. Uh, don't let it be about the money because you need another student. Really, are you comfortable having me in class? So on one hand, yes, women do need to trust their instincts and say, yes, this does feel right to my body to be in this class. I mean, that's always my takeaway. If it feels better when you leave class than when you walked in the door, then you should keep going. If you feel not so hot when you leave class, then maybe it's not the right class for you. Um, that said, even prenatal yoga teachers will vary wildly. Um, there are a fair number of prenatal yoga teachers out there who are teaching prenatal classes because they got pregnant and therefore they think they can teach prenatal classes. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have any additional certifications or trainings or background or anything. And that to me is a big problem because if you're a yoga teacher, you're at a very different level than, you know, a, a beginner or an intermediate student. Um, and most prenatal students are not advanced level yogis. Um, so to say, well, I got pregnant, therefore I know how to modify for your pregnant body is inaccurate. You know how to modify for your own pregnant body, not for somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of ego involved in that. And, uh, you know, goes against some of the, the yoga ethics and tenets. Um, so it's really not just about, okay, well, this studio offers a prenatal class, so I'll take it. Did this instructor actually get certified in prenatal? Um, what type of certification does she have? I mean, it's, it's due diligence, right? What mm-hmm. type of certification does she have? Does she do like a two-hour online thing? Did she do a weekend thing? Was it an 85-hour thing? What sort of training does she have? Um, and is she teaching things that are just kind of a general practice that's modified a little bit, or is she teaching things that are specifically beneficial to labor and birth, um, specifically beneficial to pregnancy in terms of relieving back pain and, and things like that? Um, and sometimes you just have to drop in and try it. Uh, to find out, but it's always worth a phone call to the studio, um, or an email to see if you can chat with that instructor briefly and say, Hey, tell me a little bit more about your class. Um, and of course, word of mouth is always good. Talk to, you know, other friends or other pregnant women in your community who, who may have taken class from this particular instructor and see, um, cause everybody's really well intentioned. Um, but intentions only go so far if you don't have, uh, the appropriate training and background. Yeah, of course. And nobody wants to get injured. And then there's that relaxing going through the body. So it's all easier. Mm-hmm. To, <laughs> to oh, yeah. To... Oh, yeah. And I mean, I get all kinds of questions from my students. Um, I'm, I'm first trimester and I've had a little bit of vaginal bleeding. Can I still come to yoga? No. <laughs> no, I don't want to see you in my yoga class. Um, I'm carrying twins and I have to wear a support belt in my hips because everything's really painful. And I mean, I I think I should be moving, but I can barely walk. No, I don't want you in my yoga class. Mm -hmm. I'll see you privately, but I don't want you in a group class because I can't help you appropriately in a group class. You know, so I'm glad that my students tend to ask questions like that before coming. But there's a lot of folks who don't. And there are certain things that it's not appropriate to practice. And, you know, women go back and they ask their doctors or their midwives and they say, hey, should I be taking yoga? And they say, oh, awesome, go take a yoga class without knowing that yoga practices vary wildly and that yoga isn't just one thing. So a lot of uh, care providers assume that if it's yoga, it must be good um, rather than um, digging a little more deeply into the type of practice or, you know, the specific instructor when, when referring. 
So they need to ask both their care provider and their yoga instructor and mm -hmm. see how they feel after the class and mm -hmm. maybe reach out and talk to you. How can they do that? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm always happy to, to talk to folks. Email is probably the best way to get a hold of me, but I'm always happy to, to talk to folks to say, hey, you know what, do you think coming to, to yoga is a good idea given that I have complication X? Um, you know, if it's gestational diabetes, my response is absolutely because exercise can help bring your blood sugar levels back down. So yes, please come to prenatal yoga, you know, so it depends, depends on what's going on. But I think it's always good to have those open lines of communication um, with, uh, you know, with the variety of care providers we have. And as a yoga instructor and a Lamaze educator, I consider myself, you know, among the care provider community because we do, we do care for pregnant women. Um, and you know, the intention is always to make you feel better. We want, we want you to feel better both physically and emotionally when class is uh, over. And get all those benefits for both mm -hmm. being pregnant and in labor of that yoga can give you, which are like so awesome. I want to do yoga oh, right I now. <laughs> do you know what else should there, is there anything we left out that they should know about that you want to shout out? Oh, goodness. Uh, there's probably a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite topics. I can talk about prenatal yoga and, and birth for, for a very, very long time. Um, I think the one thing that I would like uh, pregnant moms to know specifically is that I would rather see them starting their prenatal yoga practice earlier in their pregnancies than later in their pregnancies. So morning sickness aside, I mean, if you're feeling miserable, then you know, go rest and sleep. Um, but I'd rather see women starting, you know, first trimester for prenatal yoga than waiting till 32, 33 weeks to come to the first class because you get the biggest benefits by having a regular practice week after week after week. Um, it Flexibility isn't something that happens overnight. Neither is strength, nor is the emotional recovery or the um, reduction in anxiety, it happens with practice. And that's why we call it yoga practice, not yoga perfect, right? There is, it, everything takes time. And when you take the time to do the self-care, because yoga qualifies for me as, as self-care, you take the time to do the self-care once or twice or even three times a week to come to a yoga class, do something good for your body, mind, and spirit, and have the community of other pregnant women, you come out better for it in the end. And even if you end up needing to be induced or end up needing a C-section, those skills that you develop on your mat, the, the breathing skills, the anxiety and depression reduction skills, the how to move my body skills, that helps not just with labor but with postpartum recovery. And it helps get you in a, uh, a better state of mind all the way through. And it helps set the tone for your parenting down the road. Mm -hmm. So immense benefits from prenatal yoga um, mm -hmm. and just yoga in general, too. So mm -hmm. how can they contact you? What are you up to? Tell us. I know we said in the beginning, shining light. Um, yep. What's the contact info? Sure. Um, so I'm in Pittsburgh. Um, I own Shining Light Prenatal Education and Shining Light Doulas. Um, and we're in the Lawrenceville section of town. Um, the main website is shininglightprenatal.com. Um, our doula site is pittsburghdoulas.com. Um, the best email for me is info at shininglightprenatal.com. Um, and you can always call the business line too. It's 412 
And, you know, at Shining Light, we do, we do a lot. We guide women from fertility through pregnancy and childbirth and into early parenthood with grace and confidence. We have obviously our prenatal yoga classes and mommy and me yoga. We have postpartum classes as well. Um, confident birthing, which is my Lama's class, breastfeeding, infant care, and a whole lot more. So we really do our best to support um, pregnant women and their families the whole way through their journey uh, to parenthood. Yay, Dina, thank you so much for all you do and for being here today and telling us about all the benefits of prenatal yoga. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too, now. Bye-bye. Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. And even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>